From my kitchen table somewhere in Montgomery County, this is the podcast. I'm Phil John Ficaro, columnist for The Intelligencer. And from the home office in Levittown, I'm J.D. Millay, columnist John. for the Bucks County Courier Times. John, good to see you again. Good to see you too, buddy. Hatred of the media has spilled out into the streets. As reporters chronicle the protests across the country regarding the murder of George Floyd, a black man by Derek Chauvin, a white police officer in Minneapolis, Journalists are being shot at with rubber bullets, whacked with billy clubs and shields, pushed and punched and spat at. When a reporter for website 538 was approached by a Minneapolis cop on a sidewalk during the protest, she showed the cops her credential, yelled, we're press, we're press. The cop's response, he pointed his weapon on her and told her to shut up just for doing her job. A video correspondent for Vice News ID'd himself as a media to police. The cop's response, I don't care ordered him to the ground and pepper sprayed him. Carolyn Cole, a Los Angeles Times photographer, was covering a protest in Minneapolis on Saturday when police attacked her with rubber bullets and pepper spray. She suffered a damaged cornea. Journalists are being assaulted for, assaulted for reporting the news, for chronicling history, for doing their constitutionally protected right to do their job. So John Mullane, while folks have had their issues with us in the media in the past, when did it become fashionable and okay for citizens and law enforcement to assault us? Well, when did it become okay? Uh, well, we've, uh, <laughs> you know, if you look at, uh, if you take the global view, uh, Phil, uh, people in our line of work uh, have been under attack, are constantly under attack. Last year, Reporters Without Borders uh, reported, I think about 50 journalists worldwide were killed, most of them in, horrible socialist communist countries, you know, uh, and that's not to say how many have been silenced, um, you know, put in jail, uh, disappeared. Uh, so it, it's uh, the number is probably much larger than that. And uh, look, uh, these police departments are under the control of progressive mayors for the most part. So the people who run the police departments who are arresting and attacking and and hurting uh, journalists uh, really should be held accountable for it. I fear that they won't, though. I just I think in the, the tumultuous times uh, we now find ourselves in, I don't think anybody's going to be held accountable for that. Yeah, uh, you know I agree. You know you have cases in some of these cities where these protests are going on, where the cops are they have no identification badges on. They're no. just in uniform with shields and clubs and shields and and helmets and rubber bullets and pepper spray. So, you know, even if there's video of someone assaulting a media member unprovoked, um, you know, one cop looks like a thousand cops. How do you identify who the perpetrator is? Uh, well, you, 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 you can't, you know, and, and look. Uh, so the accountability goes out the window. They, they, feel, they feel emboldened to do what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, they got the force and they can do what they want right now. I mean, I think it started with coronavirus with executive orders uh, in the progressive states in particular, uh, like Pennsylvania, New Jersey, uh, where governors just felt that they could now rule us instead of govern us. And, you know, uh, I, I suppose there is a, a reasonable argument given what we knew at the time in March and April. Uh, but now, uh, Phil, what is that? <laughs> 
That is the uh, fourth, fifth member of the family barking at the at somebody walking past uh, our street. Sorry okay. about that, Buster. No, that's good. I told Buster he could be on next week, but he's a little eager. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, look, there's a a, a reader, uh, Moses Hightower, and and he he sends a comment to us. Uh, Join the club. Innocent people, shop owners, have also been attacked by scumbag looters. Can't argue with that. I mean, a lot of us are taking it on the chin. Look, as far as journalists go, it's close to our heart. It's what we do for a living. It's basically what I've done for the last 33 years full time. And it always hurts when somebody, uh, you know, is 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 in the line of fire. Uh, certainly, uh, I don't know about you, Phil, but over the last three decades, you know, I've been attacked not only, you know, with every called every name under the sun, but you know, I've been hit with, you know, uh, bottles and spit on and, and pushed around and threatened and sued for libel three times. You know, so look, if you can't take to the reporters out in the streets covering these things, if you can't take the tear gas and the consequences, you know, go get a realtor's license and, uh, and, and, and find another line of work because journalism, particularly right now, is not for the faint of heart. No, uh, well, it's never been. You know, I don't know if you've ever been to the to the uh, the uh, former museum in Washington. Uh, no, there, there, it, you know, it's it's since closed down. Um, right. But there's a huge room with a huge map of the world, and each country is has a color designation, and the designation uh, uh, applies to the freedom of level of freedom of the press, and it's startling to see how many countries have little to no press freedom. Um, and, you know, certainly journalists in those countries uh, have been under attack for decades. And, you know, who would have thought that in 2020 in the United States of America that, you know, a camera crew just chronicling some history. I mean, we're in a historic time now with all these protests and all they're doing is doing their job. Um, you know, the camera's the eye of the reporter. And what's happened? Police are shooting them and pepper spraying them and cracking them with, with clubs and shields. And, and they feel emboldened to, to do so. And I have to believe that to some degree, that's a result of the president who has been calling the media the enemy of the American people for, for years now. Uh, you know, not to dwell on him, but if you it's not hard to connect those dots to some degree yeah i mean uh president trump um has made a slogan out of fake news and that's a legitimate argument to have we know that uh not everybody in our line of work is a straight shooter that they advocate uh for certain causes under the guise of of, of fair and objective um journalism you know, uh, they advocate for certain groups, they advocate for certain causes, uh, certain thing, narratives are not permitted uh, by certain, you know, uh, journalists running blogs and, and on Twitter and you know, Facebook. So, yeah, I mean, um, but when you speak uh, truth to power, you got to expect blowback. I mean, we can't pretend that we could just do our job in a, in a bubble or a vacuum. 
it's never been that way, Phil. I mean, not for journalists. Uh, going back to you know uh, John Adams and his you know Alien and Sedition Acts, and he threw journalists in prison. Uh, Woodrow Wilson, the same thing. Barack Obama, you know, he used the Espionage Act of 1917, you know, to obtain records and to find you know because he did not like the leaks. You know, the whistleblowers who were all supposed to believe are are angelic and pure of motive. He didn't like that, and he uh, and, and he was embarrassed by the things they were leaking to the press uh, during his term as president, and um, and so he he went after journalists. He went after uh, James Rosen of Fox News. Went after James Rosen's parents' phone records of all things, you know. So very thorough. Uh, got uh, had Eric Holder get uh, the phone records of Associated Press reporters in 2013. So, uh, look, we're always under attack. If we're seen as a loose cannon uh, with an opinion that is unwelcome, we're going to be on the radar. And, uh, you know, police and cops, uh, I'm sorry, journalists and cops used to be very friendly on friendly terms. That wasn't always good because, you know, journalists would look the other way when cops did bad things. But they used to, you know, cops and journalists used to come from the same place. They used to come from the blue collar working class. I mean, our, our profession up until, you know, maybe the 1940s or 50s uh, was a blue collar trait. You know, guys without college degrees, for the most part, were reporters. They were just right. great writers. And then we became a professional class. And, you know, uh, while our fellow citizens have been ordered to basically under a soft, soft house arrest, you know, uh, during the coronavirus thing, all of us in the press have these credentials, which is, you know, if we're stopped by a police officer to, you know, get out of Tom Wolf's lockdown free card. So, right. I mean, yeah, we have but, a placard, we put, right. We do that. Right. I, you're, I start, you're, yes. Yes. But you know what? The events of the last week or so, reporters are lifting those credentials, and 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 I mean, a guy's got a credential from CNN or Fox News, and he's got a, a camera crew in tow, and he's recording, and the cops are approaching them, and he clearly knows it's the media. He clearly knows there's a First Amendment. He clearly knows he shouldn't do what he's going to do, yeah. and he he not only stops them from doing their job doesn't just turn them the other way. Yeah. He gets them to drop to their knees or their bellies and sprays them with pepper spray and, and yeah. shoots, shoots these bullets at them. I mean, where, where are we? Do you think that the, the, the police uh, generally have a high opinion, medium opinion, or low opinion of the press? I mean, just the regular cop on the street. As you said, I, you know, I remember years ago you were you were right that the cops and the media were, were almost holding hands at times, and right. the media would look the other way. Yes. Um, I think that's changed, you know, in the recent past. Um, yeah. I think um, I think I think we're 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 viewed as an enemy rather than uh, a necessary. Uh, a necessary business that uh, keeps people accountable. Um, I think people people are uh, people are tired of intrusion, even though we're we're we are an intrusion. I mean, think about it. You know, uh, we're there. The cops are trying to do their job. 
uh, and they're afraid that if they make one misstep, the camera's going to catch them or the reporter's going to catch them. Um, I just think we're in a different time right now. Yeah, uh, look, uh, the reason I think we, you know, police officers and the press, um, uh, police officers don't trust the press um, is because we became part of the professional class, you know, uh, and uh, we criticize them, of course, until we're burglarized. You know, uh, we, we don't call any uh, advocacy group. We call the local police to help us out, you know, and, you know, which I think is, that, which, that, is I their, think that which is their duty, which is their duty. Right. But I don't think that, you know, uh, they trust us. And I think they feel police officers feel that there's, um, you know, a disconnect. You know, we, we don't see I mean, if you went to your local police department and you asked, surveyed um, the police officers, just the guys out on the street. How many lives have you saved over the course of your 10, 15, 20 years uh, in the line of duty? Every one of them is going to have not one, two, three. They're going to have a half a dozen, maybe a dozen lives that they've saved. Those stories, Phil, let's face it, we don't tell those stories. The stories we like to tell about the police is how awful they are. You know, and uh, when they arrest us, they are being awful. I have to admit that. But, you know, there's a, a, an imbalance in, in how we do it. You know, 95, you know, police work is 95 percent public relations work, your relationship with the community. And it only takes one journalist uh, to knock all that down. You know, it yeah. only takes one bad cop to knock all that down. In the case of, the, of George Floyd and, and Derek Chauvin, it took only one prosecutor named Amy Klobuchar uh, to wreck that. She should have indicted that guy. I think he had 18 complaints against him. And That's she correct, did. 18. No, and, and I don't know uh, what the Minneapolis Star Tribune, which is a great newspaper, uh, I think we own it now, don't we? Doesn't I own believe that? we own we own all newspapers, John. Okay, we own all <laughs> newspapers now. So, but I don't know at the time what their reporting was, and if uh, the staff uh, of the Minneapolis Tribune was on the ball, uh, good for them. But if they weren't, we fell down on that. Then our our line, people in our line of work, fell down on that. We should have been the alarm bell in the night, saying there's a there's a really bad cop on on the Minneapolis City Police Force. And his name is Derek Chauvin. And uh, this is what happens when prosecutors don't do their job. And then in turn, uh, reporters don't do theirs. I'm assuming, I, I guess I shouldn't assume, but I don't know what the reporting was at the time. Maybe it was. Maybe Derek Chauvin's name was a household name uh, in Minneapolis uh, four or five years ago when, when she was a prosecutor. Another issue is you know, newspapers trying to, or the media, you know, digging and calling out bad cops. Bad cops need to be called out by good cops. And I just don't see enough of that. You can't, yeah. you can't I just don't see it. And I understand brothers in blue and all that. Right. And, you know, we, we know that a majority of the cops, a great majority of the cops, follow the law, follow the rules. But when one of them steps out of line, I don't see, I don't see enough uh, uh, of, of, um, outrage by the good cops. Right. We're, 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 I don't see it. Yeah. We're, we're of course, uh, armchair analyzing, you know, the case of, of, uh, George Floyd, um, because there were four cops 
uh, involved uh, in that horrible scene. You didn't see three of them. They were behind the, uh, the police SUV right. holding him down. Um, but yeah, I mean, if one of them had said, hey, get off his neck, stop that. He can't breathe. Uh, it, it, we ne this never would have happened. You know, well, this time I'm, I'm sure there was something eventually down the line that would happen because these things seem to happen with the regularity that I, you know, that I think we're, we're just now realizing over the last decade or so. But or, you know what, since uh, Rodney King, right? Yeah. 1992, we see that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, good cops should call out bad cops. I've talked to police officers who are friends of mine. Uh, about that. I mean, why would you see a guy like that? You know, why, why didn't you call him out? I remember what, what one, one guy uh, told me, he said, uh, well, if you do that uh, and you're in a tight spot, you know, trying to make an arrest with some surly drunk or something and you call for backup, maybe your backup doesn't arrive in a minute. Maybe it arrives in 15 minutes. <laughs> That's enough, you know, for, for everything to go south for you uh, on the scene. So, um, that's why, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, it, it is what it is, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult. I mean, we in the, it, it, in the journalism business, do we have, uh, good reporters calling out bad reporters? Not, not, you know, not, not very often. Right. So we got the same problem and maybe we should clean up our own house. Uh, before we start, you know, on the other hand, we don't have guns, you know, <laughs> we don't have that kind of power. But uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, CNN is one of CNN's primetime anchors. Chris Cuomo calls himself a journalist. I guess he is. I mean, you don't need a shingle to hang out, you know, a professional uh, degree or certification. So you can call yourself a journalist. And he does. And, uh, you know, he had coronavirus. He made a big you know, show of having being in his basement. And then it turns out that he uh, was uh, lecturing his viewers in America or watches CNN at eight o'clock on uh, staying inside during coronavirus. Okay. When he himself with coronavirus was out on Long Island inspecting property where he's going to have a large house built without a mask. And he was, he was stopped and confronted by a local resident. What are you doing outside without a mask? And Cuomo allegedly responded, well, who the hell are you? You know, you're just a local nobody, a fat tire bicyclist or something. He called him a name. And he never really addressed that on his, on his program. So where were the rest of us calling out Chris Cuomo for his blatant hypocrisy? Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I mean, I didn't yeah. write that column, did you? I don't think I, so. You know, I, I have at times uh, uh, taking, taken other media members to task. I remember when Brian Williams was lying about his record oh, yeah. of being in the war, and I said, you know, he, he should be done. Yeah. You know, and because once you lose the trust of your viewer, you know, what do you have left? Um, so, I mean, there, there were moments where I have, uh, I have addressed – uh, uh, journalists who have sort of crossed the line, not sort of crossed the line, but crossed the line. Um, but maybe we need to do it more often to give people who look at us with a skeptical eye, uh, uh, maybe they can see us in a different light and say, you know what, they're, they're calling each other out. So it's not just us calling them out. It's they're calling each other out. Um, one thing before we go, you know, 
I just try to put myself in the in the head of that white cop with his knee on George Floyd's neck and a, a whole bunch of people standing there watching it and telling him he's dying and he has to know that it's being videotaped with with cameras. What what might what could he have been thinking? Could he have been just so so confident and emboldened uh, because he has a badge that he didn't think anything was going to happen to him if this man dies in front of him at his hands? What 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 in God's name could he have been thinking? This was not a this wasn't a back alley, you know, under a dim light street light. This was in broad daylight. He was thinking that he had gotten away with this stuff many times before. And he was thinking that um, people like Amy Klobuchar aren't going to indict him in well, the prosecutor's office. And that's what he was thinking. You know, when you, look at, you look at his face and, you know, uh, after at Nuremberg, I think, uh, I forget what philosopher you know, looking at all these, you know, former national socialists, the Nazi party, uh, sitting in that courtroom um, at, in Nuremberg, and he, he coined the phrase, the banality of evil. They all looked so they, banal. They, 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 certainly, they certainly did, didn't they? So you look at, at Officer Chavon's face. I, I, I hate to call him officer. I mean, he's presumed innocent. He's presumed innocent until guilt. You know, until you know, the sentence is passed. He's tried. But you know, you look at him and you can see with your own eyes that he's squeezing, grinding the life out of this this man. The man is calling for help. His last words were calling out to his mother. His dead mother. Heart, heartbreaking. Yes. Heartbreaking. And and you look at his face. And it is so uh, serene in its, and, and that's, uh, when I saw that, uh, you know, that's the banality of evil. You yeah. know, I'm, and that's what he was thinking, Phil. I mean, if, if I can like, you sure, know. Try uh, to crawl into his speculate, head, right? Speculate. Well, maybe he is, he, he, I don't know what explanation he could have. What, 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 the guy, the guy wasn't even like, there was no resisting arrest. Not, or, not only it was, he continued to to drive his knee into this man's neck after they couldn't detect a pulse. Yeah. 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 But this man was gone. This man was already gone yeah. and he still didn't relent. You I know. know. Have, it, yeah. That, have, that, that is, that is, and again, the prosecutor did not do their job in Hennepin County. And that's what he was he thinking. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm immune from the laws that everybody else has to follow. Well, you know, one of our live commenters, Nick Vince, says uh, he was probably thinking, quote, I'm going to look so cool after this. Well, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he was thinking that, but he, he certainly it was an air. I think it's just an arrogance. I mean, the cameras are on him. People are telling him you're killing him. You're killing him. Didn't bother him a bit. Yeah. You have to wonder why a, a city as progressive as Minneapolis would have a police force that regressive, you know, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, there are a lot of people who, who need to be held accountable. Yeah. Uh, that mayor uh, of the city, um, the prosecutor's office, the attorney general uh, prior to Keith Ellison, who uh, I, I, he, you know, it, it, that worries me. I mean, he first charged him with, uh, third degree manslaughter and he upped it and you know it seems to me to be first degree murder 
you can't put a knee on somebody's carotid artery and not know what's going on. We all know what happens, right? We're not medical doc. We all know what happens. And that is a move that police use to defuse, you know, uh, surly people who are out of control. Well, I remember the, uh, the, uh, the initial, uh, was it an autopsy report where they stated that, you know, he had some coronary disease. So it was the stress of the arrest that killed him and not the knee on the neck. And then I saw a comment, then I saw a commenter say, yes, JFK died of Addison's disease. Oh, and that shot to the head. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're going to uh, Eric Garnerize him because this is what the uh, defenders of the of the uh, uh, Lucy Patrol, you know, the, he was selling Lucy's, you know, the loose cigarettes outside of Bodega up there. Was it Staten Island? I forget what yeah. it was in. Yep. And, uh, you know, that was Bloomberg's patrol. There were five officers on patrol and they wanted to crack down on guys selling loose cigarettes. Uh, people buying loose cigarettes, uh, thriving black market because New York has a five dollar uh, a pack yeah, tax on cigarettes. Yeah. And these were these were officers specifically assigned to go out and stop it by Michael Bloomberg, you know, the great you know, uh, progressive savior now. But at the time, as mayor of, of New York, you know, he had this these shock troops go out, and that's, I forget the officer who put him in the chokehold. But you remember what happened, people defending the police on that. Well, you know, he was obese. He, they're going to honorize this guy. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the knee on the neck. It was, and that's almost said. Yeah, you know. Yes, it's BS. Don't tell me what I didn't see. You know, don't tell me I didn't see what I saw. Just yeah, we see, we see with our own eyes what you did. Uh, it's the eye test, right? Yeah. Um, well, that's all the time we have for today. Um, you can get our podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You can read and view all of our company's informative and entertaining content at couriertimes.com, theintel.com, that's Intel with two L's, and BurlingtonCountyTimes.com, and you can check out a live version of this podcast on Facebook. I'm Phil John Ficaro. I'm J.D. Mullane. For all of us here in the virtual newsroom, thanks for tuning in, and especially, thanks for reading. <laughs>